Hey everyone, welcome to It's Sports Stupid. I'm Maggie Gray. I'm the host of SI Now. I'm here with my colleague, Sports Illustrated Media critic. Oh, I called him a critic. He won't like that. SI Senior Editor Richard Deitch is here. An overactive tweeter, Richard Deitch, is here. Will you forgive me? It's our first podcast. Will you? Are you already upset with me that I called you a media critic? Maggie, are you paid by the word? Because that is a very long <laughs> intro. Uh, no, I'm not going to be. Ups- I'm not going to be upset by that. But I, yeah, I do not. I, when I think, why of are you crit- not a critic? When you think, when I think, first of all, I'm a writer and reporter. That's how I sort of approach it. But when you think of the word critic, you think of what do you think of? Like people who critique plays, people who critique food, people who critique movies. To me, I'm a writer who covers sports media and other things. You give your opinion about broadcasters uh, all the time. Right. I'm not, that's listen. not reporting and writing. That's critiquing. I do both. Maggie, if you want to use that word, that's fine. And now I will come up with a word for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> of course, Richard and I are going to be with you every week talking about the biggest stories in sports. We're going to cover things that are serious. We'll cover some things that are funny. My goal is to inform and entertain you. Richard's goal is to hear himself speak. Maggie, again, that's two. I've now <laughs> counted in the, in the first minute and 50 of this podcast, two shots. I'm counting. We're keeping track. All right, Richard, let's start off this discussion with the NBA Finals. And I think that with LeBron James being in the Finals for his fifth straight year, I mean, legacies are on the line here. Whether he wants to acknowledge it or not, he's so far two and three in NBA Finals appearances. How do you think this particular series adds or detracts from his legacy? Uh, first of all, I'm not sure I buy the premise. I don't mm-hmm. know if legacies apply. I mean, I, I guess in the theory that like every time you are in a Finals, it does count to your larger historical ledger or resume. This is a legacy series. But I don't think LeBron... I think if, Le- if, the, um, if the Warriors sweep the Cavs... Do you really think differently of LeBron James historically? I'm not sure. Um, I think the only way you could really answer that is when LeBron is 40 and he's done playing. I think if you look at what he's done to get this team here, that's pretty incredible. Look at what he had in Cleveland for his first finals and look at what he has now. The roster is, uh, with the exception, obviously, I'd say of Kyrie, and I'm saying Kevin Love is hurt, the roster is not great. Yet he's brought this team to the finals against, you know, arguably one of the better squads and the Warriors that we've seen in the last 10 years. So I think no matter what the no matter what happens in the series, and we're taping this on Friday and we should say that, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to think of LeBron differently. For whatever, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too uh, easy on LeBron here, but I think to me the accomplishment of getting to the finals, sure. in my opinion, will outweigh whatever happens in this finals. You know, just hearing you say that makes me think that there should be another award that the NBA gives out, and this is an award for the player who made his teammates and got the most out of his teammates, and that should be part of, not the MVP, but like the bigger picker-upper, I don't know, something like that, because I think LeBron James would win it every single year. Go back to that 2007 finals that you were alluding to when a very baby-faced LeBron James made it to the finals, and they end up getting swept by the San Antonio Spurs and that dynasty. Who was the second best player? Daniel Gibson, the second best player on the Booby team? Booby Gibson was good. Eric Snow was was on that. I mean, Sasha Vujicic. Think about what you're saying. Think about those are the those are the third, second, Zydrunas fourth Zydrunas and Larry Hughes, I believe, was on that team as well. There was a guy oh. on that team, Richard, named Ira Nubel. Ira Nubel, who may or may not have done my taxes. No offense to those guys, but that is an, I mean, th- that is an awful roster. It's That's terrible. An MB- that, that, it reminds me of Iverson's roster yes. when he got there in 2001. By the way, Eric Snow, I think, on that team as well. Um, so, th- I mean, the guy has brought, you know, obviously with Miami he had a loaded team. But these two, it, these, these two accomplishments getting Cleveland to the finals 
are unreal. And you know what? Legacy wise, he's probably going to hear it. Oh, you know, he's only he's two and four. Or, if he loses, you right. know, we're presuming the Warriors going to win the series. I think they are, but I just hope that at least, and I know this will happen with the sort of the non hot take artists, the smarter NBA people out there, will acknowledge just how unbelievable a run this guy has had to get this team to the finals. All right, I'm going to go flip side on you just to give the naysayers opinion here. And for that, I'll just point to LeBron's Miami days. For as fantastic as he was getting the 2007 team to the NBA Finals, getting this 2015 team to the NBA Finals, for the Miami years, he had one of the best rosters in terms of supporting cast. Definitely. You know, Dwayne Wade injury issues have always been a factor, but having Chris Bosh there as well, and guys like Mike Miller who came through in the clutch, guys like Ray Allen, one of the best shooters of all time, and maybe LeBron doesn't even get his second ring if Ray Allen doesn't hit that three-pointer in Game 6 against the Spurs. So it's LeBron has so been able to, to ride both sides of the wave here. I think he does deserve a lot of – LeBron has been able to tow both sides of the line here. At one point, he does get the award for lifting up all of these no-name guys, getting them, A, paid, and getting them a lot of recognition like he's doing now with Tristan Thompson right. and Amon Shumper, J.R. Smith, and Matthew Delvadova and these guys. But he's also had the riches of having a roster that's loaded with talent and making the most of it. You know, I'd love to get the opinion of an Emmy Award winner. Well, that's not going to be anybody in this room. No, that's for sure. But Mike Breen, who will be calling the NBA Finals on ABC and ESPN, it'll be his 10th straight year calling the Finals, which is just amazing. Uh, Mike Breen, Emmy winner, good enough to join Richard and I on It's Sports Stupid. Mike, thanks so much for the time. Maggie, who who came up with the title? Oh, that was me, sir. (laughs) Well, I, I feel at home with on a show with that title. <laughs> Anything we can do to make you feel comfortable. And, you know, speaking of comfortable, you're finally back in your own bed, presumably. You're home for a few days. With this layoff, would you rather that the, the finals just kind of roll into this series, or are you happy to have a few days off and to kind of get your bearings back? Well, from a, from a personal standpoint, I'm, I'm thrilled to have the days off Uh my family right now with my children, I'm in the midst of graduations and proms, so uh, I get to see all the stuff, so it's the perfect time for me. From a basketball standpoint, uh, I don't wish it was a full week like this, um, but I think with this particular finals matchup, uh, a little extra hype might go a long way because it really is its kind of a sexy matchup that uh, I think people are going to have fun with, and the anticipation will be pretty cool. First of all, Mike, good luck with... Um Good luck with the prom. Dear Lord, I couldn't even imagine what, what it would be like to have You're a... You're a few months away from prom, uh, from prom pictures, Richard. Yeah, I am. So, my, I mean, it, you know, did he, um, are you nervous about this, or do you see it as, um, you know, you're prideful that, uh, I don't know if it's your daughter or son has reached this, but to me, man, I don't know. Just the I guess I've seen too many bad teen comedy movies involving proms, and it would scare don't me. Don't scare him, Richard. Don't scare him. <laughs> well, fortunately, but... You know, it's 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 funny that the difference between your anxiety level with a daughter and a son. Uh, I know it's not right. I know it's not fair, but it's very different. And it's my youngest son's prom, so uh, no worries. With my daughter, of course, I would be you know hire private detectives. Uh, <laughs> didn't need to do that. She was the one that graduated this year, so all is good. Well, that's great, and of course, we wish you the best. Now, I'd love to talk to you about the people that you speak to, Mike, and that's the fans, because I think that both of these franchises have been so downtrodden in their past that they can both lay claim 
to being the team of destiny this year. And so I'd like to know from your standpoint, who do you think has the rights on the better story here? Is it the Cavaliers with, of course, LeBron James coming back? They've never won a title. Or is it Golden State who's mired in mediocrity for years until they finally put together this group? I, uh, Maggie, I fully believe in the um, the right-down-the-middle vanilla cop-out answer, and, and that is uh, it's, it's even. It, it's so cool, the storylines from the fans, and being at both arenas this year and talking to fans and being around them and getting their feel at games. Um, the Golden State fans are as rabid and as loyal as any fans uh, of any NBA franchise, and you can tell that when... When you go to arenas over the years and the teams are bad and they still have that passion, and that's the beauty of the, of the Warriors. Now, I'm not selling they, they, they sold out all the time when they were bad, but they always had that passion. So, you know, it's a team that that, that whole Bay Area has fallen in love with. So they really feel it's, it's their time. And then, obviously, with, with Cleveland, you know, it's been so long since any team has been called a champion. Um, you know, there's anxiety level that go along with their passion because, you know, are, are some of them waiting for the shoe to drop and what's going to happen? Um, so I, I think both have an, an even stake to that particular claim. Mike, you know, I think I speak for NBA fans. I mean, the series is going to be fantastic. You know, two, you know, the current MVP, arguably, you know, one of the greatest, I'm sure some would say maybe the greatest basketball player we've ever seen in LeBron. I do want to ask you a question, though, about the broadcast. Obviously, Mike, I've, you know, we've talked before. People who are going to listen to this know that I cover the sports media. And one of the, one of the honest subplots for this series is that you are working with the former coach of the Golden State Warriors and Mark Jackson. And you know, you've, he, he's had to comment in the previous series about Steve Kerr and about the team. I thought he, you know, he really I thought handled the last 30 minutes of Golden State's win uh, like a total pro, but how has that been for you as the person who has to lead Mark Jackson along this path of answering questions, which might not always be easy for him, and I wonder even just how forthcoming he can be given everything that went down in Golden State. Well, Richard, I, I think he, he's handled the whole season like a pro, and obviously as, as it gets further along, I, I think it's a little more difficult for him, um, but he's He's one of the strongest people I know from, from an emotional and mental standpoint. I mean, he's got a strong faith, and that carries him through everything, and it's very genuine. Um, and he really does, he has, he has great pride in what he did there. I, I think any, any of us, I know I would be, I, I wouldn't be able to handle it as well as him. But I think any of us, it, it's hard to watch. I mean, you are a big part of building to a certain point. You're ready to take that next step. And now all of a sudden you're not allowed to take that step with everybody you've been building with. Um, but he's handled it so amazingly well. And the other night I, I thought what Draymond Green to do, to do to come over like that to the booth, in the middle of their big celebration they're all so happy. Uh, the elation is just off the charts. And for him to take the time to come over to Mark and, and have some special words to him, Mark's not going to forget that for the rest of his life. Um, if you talk to any coach, They'll tell you after it's all done, through all the wins and losses and the championships and the successes and failures, what matters most is the relationships with their players. And that was, that was a special moment that when he's 70, 75, he's going to remember that Draymond Green made a special attempt to come over and talk to him. And, and that's why I, I, I thought at that particular time was the right time to bring it up to Mark. And he was obviously emotional, so we didn't go any further. Plus, it was the end. But... Um, that was a special moment for him. As as far as doing the games, uh, guys, it's 
it's not a problem with him. He answers everything honestly, and, and, and he's, he's okay to talk about it. And I've, I've said to him several times during the course of the year, you know, are you okay with this? He goes, you know me, whatever you need, just do it. Uh, and he's been like that. I, I found that sometimes it was harder doing the 2009 finals when Stan Van Gundy was coaching Orlando and Jeff was sitting next to me. And, you know, the Lakers would go on a run, and they were about to clinch the series, and I'm making these big, excited calls, and he's sitting next to me with his head in his hands. He's dying for his brother, like we all would for a sibling. Uh, I thought that was really hard to sound so excited when my partner is, is you know, he's got a hole in his heart because his brother is dying. So uh, from that standpoint, it was hard. With Mark, it hasn't been hard at all. He's been, he's been unbelievable in how he's dealt with it. Yeah, it speaks volumes about Mark, and I'm glad that you brought up Jeff Van Gundy, Mike, because I was going to go right there. You're sitting next to him, and listen, Van Gundy's reached the John Gruden stage, where any time a job vacancy opens up, he's going to be the first person whose name becomes attached to it. But now with New Orleans and Anthony Davis and this job being open, this is this could be the one, Mike, this might be the one that could have so much appeal that it could just be that very mix that could pull him back to the bench. Do you see it happening? Do you think that New Orleans with Anthony Davis and their bright future could be that one team that makes Jeff Van Gundy want to go back to coaching? Well, Maggie, not if I can help it, because <laughs> I'm in full sabotage mode. Um, <laughs> it is not beneath me to call and spread rumors about gambling addictions or you know, any kind of other problems that he has. Uh, I, I don't want to lose him as a partner, and I kid him about that all the time. I try and, you know, I try and remind him when, when I was a Nick radio caster and he was an assistant coach how miserable it was when you were playing your fourth game in five nights after you lost at the buzzer in Minnesota and flew two hours to Boston or to wherever the next game was. Um, just anything to get him to re- remember the bad things about coaching. But he is, you know, he's always been a coach. It's his whole life. It's in his blood. It's in his dad's blood and his brother's blood. So um, I've got to be unselfish, and, and when it happens, I've got to be thrilled for him. And he's been picky because of where his family was. And, you know, he had two girls, and um, I think at a certain time he didn't want to move them, but now they're a little older. And I think that um, if if it's the right opportunity, he'll go for it. And you know, I'd be thrilled for him because I know he really wants to do it one more time, and he's been waiting for the right opportunity. And he'll know if if it's the right spot if he if he's fortunate enough to get uh, offered the job. That's interesting, and that obviously would create an interesting booth uh, next year. Something to uh, perhaps I will uh, be asking you about down the road, Mike Breen. One of the um, one of the things about this series to me that's really interesting from a television perspective, Mike, and I wanted to get your take on this is that Golden State just plays a beautifully aesthetic brand of basketball they're just if you're watching i don't i can't even imagine what it must be like in the arena but i can tell you watching at home and watching it on like a great large hd screen it's just, they're just they play beautifully it's just it's it's it it makes for really great television as by the way does lebron james obviously being a star do you can you sort of just sit give us a sense from your seat um and i know you have a responsibility of calling the games but golden state in particular I mean, do you agree that they're just they're sort of just a beautiful basketball team to call? Yeah, there's a joy to the way they play, and, and mainly because um, it, it's it really is a five man game. I mean, basketball is still that's what it's about. It's it's five guys playing together, and you know there's some great individual stars, and sometimes we get uh, bogged down into isolation basketball, um, but not with Golden State. Uh, we've seen it in recent years with San Antonio. It's the most enjoyable brand of basketball to watch 
when the ball is moving, when the players are moving, and not just on the offensive end, but defensively, when you know a guy comes to help and the other guy rotates, and you know the team—it's like a team is playing against them. Sometimes it's almost like they have six guys on the court. That's how quick they move around the perimeter. And then on the offensive end, when the ball moves and you get your back doors and and perfect bounce passes, whether it's in a half court or three quarters court, it is there's a joy to the way they play. And um, I think that's why the crowd is so crazy. That's why it's such a a fun uh, style for the crowd there and a fun style for all of us to watch because because of the way the ball is constantly moving. And that's still the best way uh, to play the game. You know, and and Cleveland's getting a little bit of that. Obviously, it's a little different with with LeBron. I mean, here you have one MVP who's who's a wizard with the ball, and then the other MVP, four-time MVP, who's a locomotive with the ball. Uh, so the the difference is in them are striking but at the same time what i love about both guys is that they uh it's always about team first and that's always been the case with lebron and it certainly is with curry as well mike full disclosure here uh i'm a knicks fan you are the play-by-play voice of the new york knicks Uh, i grew up with msg network grew up listening to you and and watching you now and and I'll tell you what, you put a brave face sometimes on the broadcast, and sometimes you're the only reason to tune into the broadcast, and that's the truth. So I had a feeling when Eddie Curry won a championship, I just couldn't believe it. It was like it was like torture for Knicks fans. You know, someone who was just a colossal failure with the Knicks goes somewhere else and is actually on the bench for the Dallas Mavericks when they win a title. What's the appropriate response for Knicks fans to watch J.R. Smith be four wins away from winning a ring. Honestly, Mike, I just don't know how to feel as a Knicks fan. <laughs> Maggie, I, I've heard from a lot of a lot of Knicks fans throughout the playoffs, but especially when he has big games, and they're most of them are furious. <laughs> and it, it comes back to even what Jr. said himself. He, he kind of indicted himself when he, he got to Cleveland, and he admitted that. You know what? There's not a lot to do here, so I'm focused more on basketball. I, I stay after practice later. I work on my game more. I don't stay out late as much anymore. I think more basketball, and I'm more focused, and I'm playing better. Well, <laughs> hello. That's that's what every player that makes my uh, blood boil. About, no matter where they're playing, because we saw when when he was at his best in New York, and he had that one very good season when he was sixth man. You know, he's a terrific player. He's he's. He's got so many strong attributes and, and should be better than what he's been in his career. Uh, so it's very frustrating for the Knicks fan, and I, and I, I certainly understand that. If you know him a little bit, he's really a, a generally nice guy to talk to. Uh, it's just his professionalism and his work ethic has always been hit or miss. And at least now he, he realizes and, you know, you at least feel good for him that, you know, at this point in his career, he's maybe he's found it. We've said that before, and he's gone back to his old ways. So at least for now, he's playing well, and and uh, you hope that at least the guy can can reach his potential at this particular point in his career. All right, one last one for Mike Breen, boy Maggie. The fact that you're first of all, I didn't know you were a Knicks fan. Jesus, how did you not know? Did I was you Knicks hear fan? that 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 tension in the voice? <laughs> I mean that's that, that's clear cut right now these days. But there are better days ahead, Maggie. Ma- better days From ahead. From your lips to God's ears, Mike. I hope so. <laughs> Poor Maggie. Uh, I did not know that. That's actually good. I mean, yes. sad. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Bills fan, and I'm a Mets fan. It's a horrible life. Wow. Uh, I will not ask you who you like in the upcoming presidential <laughs> no. election because this probably won't be the winner. All right, Mike Breen. Here's the um, the last one for you. You've um, you've been the voice of the NBA Finals as Maggie mentioned, since 2006. And uh, 
you know, that really sort of chronicles the career of LeBron James or sort of essentially his era. And as someone who is a, uh, res- respects the history of basketball, Mike, as I know you do, and I know you, I think you grew up, I imagine, listening to Marv and, and following the NBA, the Warriors are probably favored for this series. But if the Cavs end up winning, um, I want to sort of ask you a twofold question as we go out. One, how should we sort of see this on an individual achievement by LeBron James? And then if he does win with Cleveland, where should we see him on a historical plane? Because it would be, you know, some would argue rightfully so that this would be a greater victory than his Miami championships. And then that puts him at three championships, including one where he was almost a a solo artist in the end, given the injury. So you could go as long and take that from you want but I'm just I'm fascinated by LeBron's career and I'm particularly fascinated that he's in the finals this year well start with saying we got to remember this guy when he came in he was the most hyped player coming into the NBA in the history of the league and obviously in today's society with with the the extensive coverage uh, with social media obviously this it's going to be today's player more than the past but still there was so much hype for him coming in and what has always amazed me about him with with the lone exception of the, the press conference, tell, take my talents to South Beach, and that silly thing they did, you know, five, not one, not two, uh, he hasn't had really a misstep. Uh, and under that spotlight, year after year after year, I, I think that's pretty amazing in today's society. There are very few like that. You know, here in New York, Derek Jeter is obviously somebody that's incredible how he never really had a misstep. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, he's, he's delivered on all the hype. And, in fact, to me, he's exceeded the hype because he's on the verge of becoming uh, one of the great players in the history of the game. I, I'm, I'm not one who will ever say he's the greatest. Uh, you, to me, you cannot compare players from different eras. But he's, he has that chance to be that. And if he wins it this year, under the pressure of having to win it for that city, um, and way it, the way it started with a coach who'd never coached in the NBA, with uh, huge roster changes during the course of the season, with one star player out for almost all the playoffs, another star player missing a majority or at least a good portion of the playoffs, it would be one of the incredible feats um, that we've seen in the league. Now, granted, he was aided this year a little bit by the fact that the East wasn't what it normally is. Uh, Some of the teams had some injury problems, so it wasn't the strongest Eastern Conference, but he still, whatever was in front of him, he eliminated. And if he can beat the Golden State Warriors, and he's going to need a lot of help, uh, it's going to be one of the great leadership jobs, I think, in the history of the league. I think that's a great place to leave it. Very well said, Mike Breen. Mike, listen, thank you so much for the time. What do you think in 9.30 p.m. curfew for your son for prom, right? Uh, no, 9.30 would be appropriate for my daughter. I think, uh, <laughs> I think I'll give him till 10 tonight. There you go. You're a nice guy, Mike Breen. Thank you so much. Good luck calling the NBA Finals for your 10th year. We appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thanks, guys. One of the biggest sports events really in the world is the Men's World Cup. The Women's World Cup begins this weekend in Canada. The U.S. women's team plays on Monday. We're recording this podcast on Friday. In light of this FIFA scandal, which is just a bomb that keeps exploding and we see no sign of stopping, do you think this FIFA scandal casts a shadow over the Women's World Cup? That's a good question. Um, Actually, I've been thinking about this. First of all, uh, the easily the biggest, most important women's sporting event of 2015, and one of clearly you can make the argument maybe the most important on the sports calendar, depending on where you see individual stuff like Wimbledon, et cetera, the Olympics, sure. et cetera. Um, 
You know what? I don't actually. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will. I think the tournament in and, in and of itself is its own kind of unique thing that I think the play on the field will ultimately become the story. That said, mm-hmm. because you have so many people watching soccer, thinking about soccer, and so many media around this tournament, I think inevitably talk of FIFA has to come up. Fox, in my opinion, better address this because even though they're a rights holder, you can't hide from it. So I would say that I don't think it overshadows the tournament. I think it, in a weird way, it kind of parallels it, if that makes any sense. So I, I think the play on the field trumps everything. But the, the host broadcasters, in my opinion, for certain, better talk about it. But you know for sure the Canadian press and the U.S. press that's covering this tournament will be filtering in FIFA uh, controversies within their coverage. I agree with you to a certain extent. I think that the play on the field when the U.S. women's national team is playing for Americans, I think they're going to be able to put FIFA scandal out of their minds, but only for those games. To me, the Women's World Cup is not like the Men's World Cup where I'm sitting down to watch two countries that I know very little about in terms of the players who are on both teams, where I would watch Ecuador versus Ghana, and I would sit there and watch it. I don't know if I'm going to be watching the Women's World Cup and watching two non-American teams go out there and play. So for me, yes, while the women's national team is playing, I'm going to put it on my mind, but while it's not, this is a story that you're just waiting for the next twist and turn. Seth Blatter has resigned. These executives who have been collared by the feds are going to start singing like canaries. Everyone is going to be in total CYA mode. They're going to... You have guys who are 86 years old, Richard, who are getting indicted. Do you think they're going to spend one minute in jail? Absolutely not. So I think that as the news from the scandal is going to keep dropping bit by bit throughout this women's tournament, I think it is going to end up overshadowing the majority of the tournament. We'll see. I hope that's not the case. I will say this. The tournament, the women's tournament will really get good as we get a little deeper in. The first round because the tournament has increased in terms of teams. Mm-hmm. We could see some, you know, some crazy hockey scores. That said, it's an interesting topic, Maggie, and I and I'll be very curious to see if your sort of thesis here is correct that especially early on this, you know, inevitable continuous train of corruption news out of FIFA overshadows everything. We'll have to see. Another huge story that happened uh, earlier this week was this incredible Vanity Fair cover that gets released to the public with Bruce Jenner, formerly Bruce Jenner, has now made a full transformation, and the cover simply says, call me Caitlyn. So now she is Caitlyn Jenner. And Richard, I had a lot of discussions with this about other people here at the SI offices about whether or not this is a sports story. Is it to you? You know, it's it, it's not a sports story. It's it's a news story, culture story, political story, and sports story. To me, it covers and captures everything because you can politicize this story very easily. At the same time, the subject of the story is a very, very famous sports person mm-hmm. in this country. So you can't get away from the fact that the that that Caitlyn Jenner at one point in Caitlyn Jenner's life was the decathlon winner of the Olympics. The great, arguably, at that time, people used to consider that the greatest athlete in the world. So you can't get away from it, but the interesting thing about Caitlyn Jenner, obviously, in terms of um, what does this mean for the trans community, where do people stand politically on it, um, Bruce Jenner, in his previous existence, morphed from sports into popular culture because of the family he was in. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an interesting question because... I, 
I, I think at a certain point, even though I certainly admire Bruce Jenner's incredible accomplishments in athletics, he morphed into more of a popular culture figure because of his connection to the Kardashians. But so, that's just PR. I mean, if if Bruce is, you know, he was out there on the lecture circuit, and if maybe you had been one of those people sitting in on a Bruce Jenner win like a champion lecture, right. or if SI purchased, you know, some of Bruce Jenner's time for him to come here and speak with us, right. maybe we still would see him at that time more like the Jenner we remember from the 1976 Olympics and less like the dad from Keeping Up with the Kardashians. The reason I think it's a sports story is because... Well, hold on one second. Do you think it's purely a sports story, or do you agree with me that it's that it crosses over to multi, uh, multifaceted of places? Of course. I think it definitely crosses okay. over but there were people here in this very building who were believed that this was not a sports story because of what you said that bruce had gone so far into the reality tv world into the kardashian world that he was no longer looked upon for his athletic accomplishments and you know my answer to that was i think once a gold medalist always a gold medalist and that never goes away it's like being a super bowl champion or a hall of famer that's with you for your entire life and i just can't help but think the platform that Caitlyn has now would not exist if Bruce was not standing on that platform in 1976, right. winning a gold medal. In I don't Montreal. think. And I mean, I think that would. I don't. Anybody who would argue against that would seem crazy because that was the initial. You know, the Caitlyn Jenner first and foremost before the Kardashian world was known as an Olympic champion. That's where this all stems from. But I think, and we we will sort of end it on this is that I think as Caitlyn Jenner's story heads forward. Would you concur that it gets further away from sports, and it's some? It's more about um, her transition and what that, what having the this is the most prominent person yes. to transition, and what that means larger for society than any kind of here was a once upon a time sports champion who's now doing X post sports. I think that's always true. After the initial headline hits. Then it's just how are you living your life? You know right. how are you existing, um, and, and what's the message that you're carrying right. with? And you, you don't want to talk about the ESPY award, which I th- I feel is I I will say this, and we'll, I know I'm already running over. Never has more debate been over a stupid dopey show. I don't show understand why this in, is a debate. This, it's not. Who cares whether they want to give him the Arthur Ashe Award or not? It's just the point. Why is do people like you, want him not to get it? Well, it's less about that, Her. and it's more about yeah. You can you can. There are a million people who would be worthy of a. Arthur Ashe Courage Award in this country. And Caitlyn Jenner is one of them. That's the point. It's like you you, you can – it's an endless hamster wheel to try to compare courage versus courage. And I can tell you just from having covered ESPN, there is no runner-up. That's not how this works. They make a selection and they roll with their selection. So once again, I mean I understand why it became a story. But man, it just the idea it's the a, idea to it, to argue about the dumbest award show it's an in ESPY, mankind. It's not a Pulitzer Prize. Exactly. It's not the it's Nobel made, Peace Prize. It's a made up award for ESPN to bring celebrities into their lair to promote ESPN. It's like Sportsman of the Year. Right. Again, if, if, if this if, isn't this isn't a steadfast right. thing. This is something that SI both, chooses. Both, right. Both of us love SI. Sportsman of the Year is a made up award. A, it doesn't really exist. It means something because now the people who have been honored with that award, Correct. just the same as the SB does. All right. This is our last podcast because we just make fun of the Sportsman of the Year. But you're right, Maggie. It's the same thing. And that was it for It's Sports Stupid. <laughs> Thank you and good night. One um, showing out. All right, Richard, we're gonna, as we're going to do every week here on It's Sports Stupid, we're going to end, this, end the podcast with a question that is completely away from the realm of sports, something random that you and I are thinking about or that's going on out there in the world. And for this first podcast, we're going to ask the question, how old is too old? 
to attend a high school prom. It's prom season. Mike Breen talked about his, his sons and daughters going to the prom. So how old is too old to go to a prom? I know you're going to disagree with me on this, but I'm going to say the age limit is 21. You are crazy. And that should be illegal. All right. Again, Maggie, you are you are placing something that might happen after the prom on my answer. At 21... Why would you ever walk back into a high school event if you're 21 years old, Richard? Think am, about the difference Maggie, between a 17-year-old and a 21-year-old. Maggie, I'm, first of all, I'm talking about an 18-year-old going to the prom with a 21. 21. Maggie, if the person was 35 and the person was 38, that you would not have an issue with this, correct? Yes, no, but you have to say that those years, those early, late teen, I 20s agree. years, there's right. it's like dog years there. There's a lot, you know more development that happens. Let me ask you this. Would you you feel the same way if it's a 21-year-old woman going to the prom with an 18-year-old? I uh, don't like that either. Right. Unless it's a charity case. If Honestly, if it well, is what a, about, a straight-up charity case, right. if it's someone who has a disability or someone's been bullied or right, something right. like that, where you're, you're... What provoked this? What was the athlete? We, we, this is, there was an athlete who did this. That Andre this Drummond. Andre Drummond, right. Asked a girl... Uh, Andre Drummond of the Detroit Pistons, formerly the Yukon Huskies, uh, a fan... Had said, if I get 12,000 retweets, then Andre Drummond will take me to the prom. But the fan, she's 17, like going on 28. She looks like a, a, she looks like, how do I say this? Don't get get, get us (laughs) fired. She looks like she could be going to a wedding or something. She doesn't look like a child. She looks like a full-on adult. She's got the really glamorous gown. She's got the hair and the makeup, all that stuff. She's not some kind of charity case. She's just a high school girl with a crush on a basketball player. So I mean, again, you uh, you you are you're, you're you're turning this into like an X Files episode. You're presuming that something untoward is going to happen. Maybe those two are just having a great time at the prom. And if it's your and how daughter, cool is it to have an NBA player at the prom? If it's your daughter and she's seventeen, right? And somehow a basketball player right. who's my answer is going to be how, how good is this player, basically. <laughs> And, yep, that's where we're going to stop it. <laughs> of course, you can always tweet Richard and I. You can let us know what you think of at Richard Deitch, at SI underscore Maggie Gray. How old is too old to go to a prom? I say if you are out of high school, you cannot go back to high school and go to the prom. All right. And let's bef- – Maggie, you will take us out. But before we go out, let yeah. us give uh, thanks to our excellent producer, Elizabeth Newman. We will continue to uh, – I mean, Maggie, clearly this is an important issue in your life. We'll continue to debate (laughs) the prom issue down the road. All right, that's where we're going to leave it for the first ever episode of It's Sports Stupid. We also want to thank Mike Breen for being our guest today. You can hit us up on Twitter at all times. Richard is awake and tweeting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's at Richard Deitch. I'm at SI underscore Maggie Gray. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of It's Sports Stupid, and we'll talk to you next week.